Going to the book of Genesis, chapter number 24, I'm going to talk about God, giving God something extra. Giving God something extra. There's a supermarket chain that gives you a little card called something extra. <clears throat> and with it, you will, over a period of time, get something extra back. So it says in the book of Genesis 24, verse 45, But before I had finished speaking, that's Eleazar, in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. It's an amazing story. Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you for victory through the Word. Release a wonderful and powerful anointing upon your people collectively at Calvary. We will get direction and purpose from your Word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this is a great chapter in God's Word. And I urge you to read it and reread it. There's so many amazing, great nuggets of truth enclosed here. Life-changing principles are in this chapter in Genesis. These principles I'm about to share with you will transform you, absolutely change your direction. If you'll do what I'm about to share with you, your marriage will enter a better season. Success in life will enter a new season. Your walk with Jesus will open up to another place. Every area of your life will elevate based on these biblical principles. Now, as you look at life and what's coming up on us with our health care and the issues we, 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 we are looking at and going, really? Uh, what's the secret to long life? Uh, what happens that causes some people to seem to live very healthy, long lives? How does that happen? And, of course, we know supernaturally the, the, the Word of God promises that if we do specific things, God can favor us with length of years and bless us with long life. But in the natural, what can we do? How does that work? A recent survey taken by the medical profession reported three reasons why people live long lives. Number one, genetics. Choose your parents well. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Healthy ancestors. That has something to do with your longevity. That's why doctors always ask you questions about the health of your parents. Mm -hmm. Number two, people eat right. And we know that in certain parts of the world, their diet containing specific types of balance and ingredients, there are people that eat those diets seem to live longer than others. And people who fry everything in their lives don't generally live long lives. Seriously. <clears throat> okay? So balanced diets are very important. And exercise. You must keep moving. Got to keep moving. As they studied people over 90 years of age, specifically, the number one reason people live long lives is because they weren't sitting in a rocker. Number one key to long life was career satisfaction. They continued being productive way past what the government says your age of retirement should be. It's mind-blowing. Most important factor for long life in the natural, enjoying what you do in life. <clears throat> it adds quality of life when you enjoy your career. And how many know if long life is connected to enjoying your career, some of you are going to have a short life? <clears throat> Tomorrow, on your way to work, just go ahead and look over at the people alongside of you in their cars. 
Ask yourself, are they going to live a long life? And there's something very wrong if you dread and hate what you do for a living. Something very, very wrong with that. The secret of finding career fulfillment, you find something you enjoy doing so much that you would do it for free because it's a passion. You love it. Then you become so good at it, people are willing to pay you to do it. Yeah, that's a happy person. They generally will live long lives. Business Magazine, they listed the top 10 toughest jobs. Number one, an inner city high school teacher. That's a war zone, folks. They need combat pay. And God knows they need children coming out of two-parent homes that give them structure. Can't expect teachers to do that in the classroom anymore. Uh, inner, inner city high school teacher was number, number two police officer, law enforcement officers. Second toughest job. Number three, underground mining. Underground mining or miners. Number four, air traffic controllers. <clears throat> yeah, that'd be stressful, wouldn't it? Number five, a medical intern. Number six, a stockbroker. Number seven, a journalist. Number eight, Customer complaint management. (laughs) Number nine, waitress. The shocker, of course, but when I thought about the Christians who leave tracks instead of good tips, and then I asked, why don't you come to our church? Because you're a tightwad. That's why they won't come to your church. So leave them a good tip, and maybe they will come to church. Number 10, administrative assistant. Absent from the list of the world's toughest jobs, the stay-at-home mom raising her children. Mm -hmm. I heard one say that, yeah. If I were to put these CEOs into those homes for a day with those little angels and leave them there for a day, they'd be amazed at what a tough job that is. Wow. Yes, it is. Well, my text is an amazing story, and you need to take some notes from this because this will help you. It's an important message. Abraham is a wealthy man at this stage of his life. And he has a son by the name of Isaac. And Abraham is very rich. He's got cattle, silver, gold. He's got this son he's been praying for that is the son of promise. And now he's praying that his son finds the wife that he needs in his life. And, and there are types of, of the father and Jesus because you see the, the supernatural birth in both stories, the typology here, comparisons here are so amazing. They both ascend the hill. They, there's sacrifice involved in their lives. And, and you watch this rich story unfold. And dad's concerned <clears throat> that his son Isaac finds the right lady in his life. So in Genesis 24, as you look at the story of the Bible, the Bible makes it very clear that in those days, parents played an active role in the mate selection of their children. Perhaps we in the Western culture have missed something here with the train wrecks we're looking at in marriages. So Abraham sends his trusted servant, Eleazar, to go search for a bride for his son Isaac. He represents the Holy Spirit in typology. So what kind of a bride is God looking for? When he sends the Holy Spirit out looking, what's he looking for? Eleazar carefully prayed and went looking for a bride for Abraham's son had little to do with how she looked. 
It had everything to do with her character. And Eleazar goes on a search with ten camels. He's loaded down with gold, silver, jewelry, garments. I mean, wow. Camels are loaded. And the word says that they were for the bride-to-be for Eleazar to choose. And Eleazar travels 500 miles, and he arrives in, in this oasis, and he's resting there, and he's praying, and he's saying to, to the Lord, God, I want you to find your will for Isaac. And I want to be sure that the one that I pick is the one you have. Please answer my prayer. Let the woman who comes to the well and offers me water and offers the water. Listen, I'll read it to you. And let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So while he's praying that prayer, which tells me you ought to pray about whom you're going to marry. While he was praying that prayer, up walks Rebecca with a water jar on her shoulder. And she gets her water. And Eliezer asks, may I please have a drink of water? And yes, certainly. And then of her own free will, she goes on as Eliezer is silently listening. And I will give your camels a drink also. Well, his ears perked up. And some people think, well, so what? Understand there was a law of hospitality in the Old Testament. It's renewed in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews because you need to be hospitable with strangers because you might be entertaining angels unawares. This was the Hebrew way. Be kind to strangers. When she assisted in giving Eleazar a drink, that was expected. That would be okay in the Hebrew culture. When she turned and said, I will also water your camels, then she went above and beyond. So you want to write down something extra. She didn't do just what was required. She didn't do just what was asked of her. She did what was expected, but she also did something extra. She didn't have a pocket hose where you could unravel this thing easily and it goes back into its coiled state after you're done with it. She just had a water jar. And when those camels arrived and had traveled 500 miles from Mesopotamia across the deserts, the red light on the dashboard was flashing empty. Camels can hold 30 gallons of water. So Rebecca draws out about 300 gallons of water by herself by hand. Now, she probably had just had her nails done, had her hair done. And if like many today, that ain't my job. That's not my job description. Let the guy get his own water. Look at those mangy camels. Not me. I'm not doing that. But she's out there drawing water. And she's not just doing what's expected. She's doing what is expected and something extra. Do you want to know what God's looking for in a bride for his son? You see... I think that sometimes we try to reach our culture with having a fish sign on our car or a bumper sticker. Listen to me. One of the greatest tools for evangelism today is something extra. If every believer would grab this principle, what separates highly successful people from average people? Something extra. There are people who do what's expected and something extra. What separates above average marriages from the average, the husband and wives, do what's expected and something extra. 
Highly successful businesses are where they are, not because they just do what everybody else does in their field of expertise. The the required, the expected, they employ the attitude, something extra. In every transaction, something extra. It's not how little you can do and get by. It's doing what's expected and something extra. That becomes a powerful witness in the world. That's the kind of bride the Holy Spirit's looking for, as Eleazar was looking. That's an amazing witness. But the current workplace philosophy is this. Do the least you can for the maximum reward you can get. That's the attitude. If not careful, it'll, it'll culturize itself right into the church. Do the least you can for the maximum reward you can get. I want minimum effort, but I want maximum return. That's the mindset. Well, an article published asked the question, why nothing seems to work anymore? And it goes on to say, America, the inefficient. And for decades, Americans were known worldwide for the quality of our products, efficiency, innovation, always a notch above. We often prided ourselves on our productivity and what we could create. Over the past two decades, there's been a perception change. There are still people who are highly productive and highly skilled and excellent in all that they do, of course. But the perception is that America has lost this important characteristic, America the inefficient. And we see the blunders leadership make, and we see the the unbelievable errors in judgment and the arrogance that says, I'm an expert in an area where I've got no experience. And it creates this climate of perception And we don't know what we're doing. The example cited, some American cars have built in 20% or more to cover the recall defects. So you're paying 20% more because somebody on the job has this get-by attitude, not a something-extra attitude. Hmm. The attitude is closing time, paycheck, and Miller time. That's it. And we fail the Lord Jesus when we don't grab this something extra spirit. The greatest witness you do, not out somewhere on the street corner yelling at people. The greatest witness, when we walk it out in real life, people begin to see it in our marriages, in our businesses, in how we present. We give what is expected and something extra. Jesus put it like this, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Extra. He's saying, don't just do what's expected. When you go to work tomorrow, just don't show up and perform your job description with checking off the box. If you want to see great success and a promotion from God to go to a new level in life, you begin a living a lifestyle of something extra. No one may notice for a month. No one may notice for six months. But remember, your real employer is God. You're working as unto him. You're not working for the person. You're not working just for the company. You see, God looks for people who live a lifestyle of something extra. That's who he sent Eleazar out to find. Listen to Jesus. Go the extra mile. Go. Then he says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Exceeds. What was the righteousness of the Pharisees? They were the ultimate clock punchers. 
They did exactly what the rules said to do, down to the nth degree, but not one bit more. And Jesus said, if you call yourself my disciple, your righteousness is going to exceed that of the Pharisees. You are not to do stuff just to get by. You're not to promise you're going to do it and then not show up. That's not honoring to God. And even though somebody doesn't want to hear this today because it's a little quiet, I can tell it's the right-on message for the moment. And if every believer and follower of Jesus at Calvary Christian Center acquired this something extra principle in your life, the principles that Jesus has given us, the first question from local employers would be this. Are you a part of Calvary Christian Center? Companies would have recruiters out here after services waiting for you because you don't do what's just expected. When you're hired, you do something extra because you're the best of the best. And people declare, you know, you hear them in church, God's going to prosper me. No, he is not. Not if you don't put in the effort. There is the supernatural, yes, but there is the natural in the middle of the supernatural. Some people will not qualify for supernatural prosperity because they do little in the natural. Think God's just going to give it to you. Jesus is saying to his people, if you quote scripture on the job, but you don't give them the maximum effort, you're not much of a witness. Tell them you're a Buddhist. You're a Muslim. Don't tell them you're a Christian and act like that. Because the top producer in any field can say whatever he wants to say. Okay? When, when they hand a microphone to a professional athlete who has torn it up, he says, First of all, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he gave maximum effort, he can say just about anything he wants, and no one's going to interrupt him. I was looking at this football player and his testimony, and it made Muscle and Fitness magazine, Arnold's magazine. And here's what he says. They value my relationship with God over what his peers may think of him or pressure him into doing. Prince Amuk Kamara, 24-year-old cornerback, hails from Nigeria, said, I'm a virgin. I've never had a drop of alcohol. He said, my unique lifestyle has led some of my teammates to call him the Black Tim Tebow. And he doesn't mind being compared to Tim Tebow. I'm a virgin, he said in his interview with Muscle and Fitness. I'm not ashamed to say it. He said, I still haven't had a drink. I grew up Catholic, so I just started out as one of those things. I think if I do this, maybe I'll go to heaven. And I said, no to drink, no to sex, no to all those things. And then he said, candidly about his faith, as I grew up, I realized that's not what it's about. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. It's not about do, don't do this and do that. But still, it's one of those things I haven't done. I don't see any benefit to doing it. So many bad things have happened, and the people wind up in the paper. They're alcohol-related. So by not drinking, it saves me, my team, and my family a lot of trouble. Okay? And he can say that in public. Why? Because he's a producer. Okay. When Mother Teresa is speaking, you never heard anyone interrupt Mother Teresa. No special interest group showed up at her talks and screamed loudly for equality. She had created through her performance a platform that gave her a right to speak. And that right to speak was about how her faith is lived out. Rebecca said, I'm not only going to give you a drink of water, I'll water your camels also. It's like the mechanic 
when I pull my, one of my cars in for service, and he looks at the codes and he says, not only am I going to take care of, of servicing your automobile, I'm going to wash your automobile, I'm going to be sure it's vacuumed, it's going to be clean when you leave, and like it rolled off the showroom floor. Wow, how do people react when people show up and you give them more than expected? It's called the wow factor. What would happen as a business owner if you didn't do just what's expected, but they receive something extra? Well, you've made a lasting impression. They go, wow, amazing. In our time, this new era we're in, customer satisfaction means I am not mad at you. <laughs> it's been reduced down to that. You know, you've been shopping like I have. You know, there's five cash registers. They're manned and about six or seven unmanned and lines backed all the way up and you're delayed and the manager standing there with their arms folded. Certain stores, they do that. And you've got 20 impatient people on a lunch break and they've got to get out of there. And the manager just stands there watching while everybody's waiting. And I want to say, I'm profit, you're overhead. Okay? <laughs> Let's do the math here. What are you doing? Come on. Open another register yourself. In one store where I got the little card that says something extra, manager always runs to the register when the lines get a certain length, and she starts or he starts working the crowd to get them taken care of. It builds loyalty. I will pay a little bit more because people treat me well. But people have forgotten the concept. Jesus modeled it. Rebecca is demonstrating it. She qualified for the greatness of being named in the lineage of Jesus Christ because she possessed the quality, something extra. She said, and the camels also. Hmm. What if every marriage operated on this Rebecca principle? You don't just give what's required of you. You know, people say, well, marriage is 50-50. Well, eh, well it's more than that. It's 100%. You have to give 100%. It's you give 50% and something extra beyond the 50%. But you want to sit around in your blessed assurance and whine and complain about what he or she is not doing for you. What's biblical marriage about? Not just doing what's required. Well, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. I did everything I was supposed to do. Listen to me. You're supposed to do that in something extra. Marriages don't crumble because mates are doing something extra. I haven't seen that happen. No, this attitude of today is, it's about me. What are you going to do for me? I'm not getting what I want. Uh, I, I, I want this out of this marriage. What I want, what I like. Like somebody's going to fix you? No one's going to fix you. Only God can fix you. No person can ever fix you. And if you want to be the head of your home, man, it takes more than wearing a pair of trousers with a fly in them. It takes responsibility. It takes standing up. And if things are not right in your house, don't be calling yourself the head of the home if you're not willing to take responsibility. It's something extra. It's your job. The leader steps up. The leader takes responsibility. The man is responsible in the home. The buck stops on your desk. <laughs> yeah. And what God needs to raise up in America and in starting in the church are men of God, men of honor, Men who keep their promises. Men who will go and do what Jesus said he was willing to do. When he looked at the bride, he said, I am willing to lay down my life for her. Wow. It's not how little can you do. 
I've been to the mouse house a few times because I raised a couple of kids, and they liked the mouse house. And when we were younger, <laughs> we went to the mouse house a lot because we were young when we had our kids. Yeah. So we had more fun than they did. They never knew it, but we did. Because we were in our 20s, and we had a blast. It was, it was great. Went to Epcot Center in Florida. Went to all the properties they had in Florida as well. You know, I've walked around a lot of church campuses and different places where we've spoken and, and really rubs me the wrong way when I watch a, a house of God in disarray and I see, you know, lawns un, unkept and, and weeds growing everywhere and junk laying on the ground and nobody picking it up. And it's, I think it's a terrible testimony to a community when everything looks like it's broken down. What you're saying to the world is we're falling apart and we got nothing we're going to offer you, Okay. And once in a while I see in church people crumble up tissues and junk and leave them on the pews and just walk away. And when you go to Disney properties, you'll be amazed. The cleanest places you've ever gone. Thousands of people are everywhere and you can't find a piece of paper on the floor or a piece of gum stuck on the cement. And so I read the business plan of Disney. You ought to read that. How many people in maintenance do they hire and employ on their, on their properties in Florida alone? Want to take a guess? For maintenance, 45,000. They said, we teach our people, if you see it first, pick it up. They employ people just to scrape the gum off the ground. You were there for a little while. You got a glimpse of how meticulous that has to be taken care of, right, Larissa? Yeah, something extra. But here's the attitude. That's not on my job description. I wasn't hired to do that. But you know what? The something extra people can't be held back. They do that, and, and they do what's expected. Something, Even if no one's noticing them, they just do it. And are you that person someone can assign you a job? They can turn their back on you and walk away and never worry that job will be taken care of. It's done excellently. It's done right, and it's done on time. That's what God expects of us. And we must teach our children that the just enough attitude is wrong. One of the names of God is El Shaddai. That means the God who is more than enough. Not just get by. And I'm thankful the God I serve is not like some people. Well, I'm sorry, that's all I can do. Okay? God doesn't say, I'm sorry, that's all I can do. God doesn't say, I'm sorry, I promised you mercy and I gave, forgave you one time and you blew it too bad. Splat. No, it's not the way God operates. He doesn't say it's not my job description. You're not covered. But he, he gave something extra. When Christ went to that cross, when God became man, when God put on a human earth suit and became like we are and did what he did, it was something extra. Listen to me. When Rebecca was watering those ten camels, she had no idea. They were loaded with gold and silver and garments and jewels and her future prosperity. But it was what she did. It was her lifestyle. She had probably assisted many strangers over the years. She probably watered some camels before. In the past, probably never paid off like it paid off this day. She could have said, well, no one ever notices. I'm not going to do this anymore. It doesn't really pay. You know, the wicked are cutting corners, and they're prospering, and I'm doing this, and nothing happens. Here I am doing the right things. I do it excellently, and I give something else, but nobody seems... Where's the prosperity? I'm not getting anything out of it. But on that day, she walked out with that jar on her shoulder, and extra effort brings you extra reward. 
Have you ever seen a camel up close? They stink. They spit. Oh, yeah. They'll look right at you and spit. Camel's an ugly animal. Ugly. The word says there were other women out there that day, and the women were gathering there on that day to gather water for their households as they did every day. Among numerous women, only Rebecca displayed this something extra spirit. No woman there knew those ten camels were loaded with their favor and wealth, but one of them said, let me go ahead and water those ugly critters today. I'll do it. Now watch. Don't shoot your camels. Ride them to your destiny. Your camels are coming. Can you see them? They're coming. And they're loaded for you. And sometimes while you're waiting, you're in an ugly situation. But don't you curse your ugly situation. It may be that your ugly situation is the gateway to incredible future. Listen, if you do right while you're in the middle of that. Rebecca watered the ten camels not knowing they were loaded with wealth for her. Now watch. Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, good measure running over, will others give toward you. So Rebecca waters those camels not knowing Eleazar was going to say, You watered my camels? Come with me. You're going to be married to the most eligible, wealthy bachelor on the planet. Isaac belonged to the wealthiest family in the East. And when you begin to operate in this principle, something extra, you start thinking like this. You know, I know they hired me just to do this. Where can I show them my best effort? Something extra. Something extra in a push. And we're having a push on the campus for an event. Something extra. I'll be there. Something extra from my employer. Beyond what's expected. I'll do it for that ugly camel because... It's going to take me on a ride to my blessed future. Someone's going to notice it sooner or later. And let me give you five principles you can apply in your daily journey. You might want to write these down somewhere. Number one, don't despise small things. The prophet says so. Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise them. That's what Rebecca teaches us. It was just a routine day. She went out to do her business, but she didn't despise the small things. She took care of them. She made sure that the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. Faithfulness in small things leads to great things. The, the details are very important. Those little incremental things that you do that will build toward the blessing that God wants to bestow. God is into details. You just study the creation for any length of time and look at how he's constructed each one of his creation and you know God's in the details. Don't despise details. Number two, don't wait for the big moments. And that's what a lot of people do. Why aren't you singing in the Christmas choir? I'm waiting to be asked to sing a solo. Do <laughs> you ever notice that in professional sports, in just any professional game, there really are only two or three great big moments if you compress the entire game, length of the game. 
into just a few things you're going to notice, two or three great moments the entire three or four hours. Whether they're running up and down the court, or they're out on the field calling balls and strikes, or they're on a football field and they're checking the yardage. Just two or three great moments in any of those games. Now what happens? Someone makes a phenomenal play in one of those two or three moments, does something extraordinary. The rest of the time, it's pretty much routine. They're going through the motions. They're playing in their position, whether on the baseball team, at the base that they're assigned, or in the outfield position that they hold, or on the mound, or on the football field, to the position that they've been trained for, and they, they intend to do the best they can in that position, not worried about every, everybody else's position. It's pretty much routine. So on the football field, that guard may move that defenseman, that lineman maybe just an inch if it moves him at all. Play after play after play. But one time, he blows him out of his position, and the back runs for much yardage and a first down, if not a touchdown, and breaks open the entire game. So every other play is just routine. You're just doing the job you're assigned. Don't wait on the big moment, standing around hoping, well, maybe if I just stand here, a big moment's going to happen to me. No, you get out and you do your assignment to the best of your ability, not worried about the big moment. You do it every day with excellence, with a something extra attitude, and big moments will show up in your life. Number three, help people. Help them. Rebecca didn't stand there and quote Scripture. That's how some people think they help people. I'll just quote you Scripture. Nor did she stand there saying, I have this healing holy water in my jar. No, she thought, I'm just going to be a nice person. What a change that would be for some people. I'm just going to do something nice for you with no agenda and no anticipating getting anything in return. What a fresh concept. Help people. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Help people. Do your best. Something extra. Rebecca teaches that lesson. Don't do a just get by job. Students need to learn this early. If you're flipping burgers, act like it's your restaurant. You own it. Prepare the food like you're the owner. Not sloppily. Not just thrown together. Not with an inch of mayo on it. Maybe just a little spattering of it because you don't want an inch of mayo when you bite down into that. Right? But a sense of blessing somebody. Number four, when God opens the door, walk through it. Now the word says when Rebecca was approached by Abraham's servant, the very first moment of their exchange, she brings him the water and then starts watering the camels. And then listen to what he did immediately. He took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing ten shekels of gold. And I'm sure they had jewels on them. And he handed them to her. He didn't tell her that's what you're going to get if you water my camels. He gives her this half shekel nose ring that's about 700 bucks worth of gold half a shekel and then these two bracelets that are worth about 6,500 bucks without jewels in them bling he gives her bling man he decks her out 
okay? Huge bracelets, shekel, loads her down with blessing. And Eleazar says to her, let's go. we got to leave. You're the one. <laughs> and her family interrupts and says, oh, wait, let's wait 10 days. We want to say goodbye to our daughter. I mean, this is our girl, and we don't want her to take off right away. Let's give us 10 days. We need to look this all over and make sure everything's I don't even know who you are. Eliezer said, I can't wait 10 days. We've got to leave now. And Rebecca had to choose, are you coming? Notice when the door was open, she walked through it and watched. When the family finally said, yep, that the man not only had had taken and blessed her with those other things, says, the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebecca. So he adds on top of what he already gave her, gives her all of that, and also gave a few things to her family and said, thank you. It's a new season, folks. And we're in a new day. There's a fresh anointing coming on the body of Christ, on the bride of Christ, for the purpose of being above and beyond a something extra people. And notice that the extra effort brings open doors. When I began in the ministry... I just started doing what I do now with something extra. It was just a way of life. You give the extra effort, not one time, but it becomes a lifestyle. It's your lifestyle. You, you learn it young. Like people say, well, why are you fasting again? Why are you praying again? Why, why are you studying so much more than you've ever studied before? Why don't you just go golf like everybody else? Because extra effort brings open doors. Other people don't get them because they're missing two words, something extra. Calvary, I challenge you. I call on you. Stand up in our culture and say, I'm not just going to do what's required or expected. And ask the Lord to make you like his son. He didn't just die and save me. He healed me. He delivered me. He restored me. He treats me like his brother. I begin to weep when I start thinking about the provisions that the Lord did. Above what I can ask or even think about our future in ministry, about our new campus, about expanding our ability to preach the gospel. God's a God of the supernatural. He's above and beyond, more than expected. That's the kind of God we serve. It only comes through when we portray him with something extra. And God's called Calvary to be a church that's not ordinary, not average, just do what we can do. Christians who just show up on Sunday and that's it. We are called to something extra. Not just give God what he requires. Well, here's my tithe and here's an offering. I'm going to stand up because you asked me to stand up to worship. No, I'm going to be a something extra worshiper. I'm going to honor the Lord with all I have. And I'm going to honor the Lord, whether it's my tithing or my offering or my worship expression or my service to the Lord. And that should happen in your home. It should happen in your car, in your daily life, your personal walk. Something extra, not just Sunday. And what you do will not stay hidden. You will not stay down. You will not remain defeated. You will not stay broke. The trouble in your relationships will begin to evaporate. When you become a giving person, a something extra, it's just a matter of time before extra reward comes for your, from your extra effort.
And this is an important truth. Because Father wants us to be like his son. He called us. And then his son looks at us and he says these words. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good what? Works. And do what? Glorify my Father which is in heaven. And that's something extra we should do. Amen? Now, something extra church. Not just sit here the rest of our lives and settle for. No matter what the climate of the community, no matter what the climate of leadership in our community, listen to me. We will not sit here and just settle for. I want to see growth. I want to see development. I want to see forward progress. I want to see the body of Christ lead the way in our culture. We will be a people that go the second mile. We will serve the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, and our strength. We'll do that in the name of Jesus. So you ought to stand and ask the Holy Spirit to touch your life. Ignite you. In love, let us give something extra. In compassion, let's give something extra. In life, not just what's expected, but something extra. For a moment, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help me be that kind of a person. Help me to serve you with passion, desire, and a drive in me that comes birth by your spirit in my heart. Nothing less than that, Lord. And so people will see not who I am. They will see who you are, giving you the glory. Eyes are closed for just a couple seconds.